Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of A Bit of Anything Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Tyler, along with my good friend, Dr. Dan, as your co-host. And Dr. Dan is going to introduce to us a myriad of topics for this evening that range from murder to football. And so, Dr. Dan, first off, how you doing? And what's on the docket for this eve? I'm doing just great, thank you. Uh, it sounds like I have some kind of like murder mystery Halloween-themed slate here for you, but, but we do want to talk about some things, some things going around in the NFL. So, so what's happening this week? Well, the Buccaneers, uh, they had a really good game on Sunday night. It was really good in the way that it made me and Dr. Tyler smile so much. Um, <clears throat> the Steelers are 8-0. I know that's not that what everybody wants to hear. That, that, yeah, I, I'm not that thrilled about it, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Tua Tagovailoa versus Kyler Murray, how that panned out, their first meeting. We'll dive into a little bit of the Adam Geese cesspool and talk about the most interesting winless team. And we'll also discuss why matchup and scheme is so important this year and why it's making such a big impact in games. But first, we're going to start with murder. We don't usually have murder on our podcast here, but um, I read an article about the late Miami Hurricane football player Brian Pata, who was murdered in 2006, I believe. I uh, sent a uh, link to it to Dr. Tyler. He read it too. We both found it pretty interesting. I wanted to, to talk about it a bit on the air. It's an unsolved murder. He was 22 years old, potential to be a mid-round draft pick in that upcoming NFL draft. Um he was a guy that was into, reno uh, what would you call it, renovating or rebuilding cars yeah, um, and selling them. That? Restoring. There we go. There you go, restoring. You can tell that we're big yes. car guys. I mean, I have seven muscle cars and I only have I don't one, know, so... a new car for every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Dr. Tyler, what was your what was your thoughts when you were reading that article when you – just give us your impression. Um, so first off, this I had never heard of this. And as someone who enjoys not only like NFL football, but college football, I was shocked that I had never heard of it. I've never once heard of this story before. And whoever wrote it, uh, it's it's on ESPN. Um, it's written by Paula Levine and Elizabeth Merrill. And first off, I have to say kudos to those two women on this story because I thought it was very well done. Um, Agreed. I I started reading it, didn't stop reading it. Yeah, it until it, it was, was done. Really good. It was good. And it took me. I don't know. Uh, it probably took me 20 to 30 minutes to like read it because I, 
it was so well written that I was like, I want to know like every detail of what happened with this. Like, like you said, he was between a second to third round pick. Um, and just, uh, out of the middle of nowhere is killed and they still don't know who killed him. And so, um, I mean, it first. So first off, is very well written, very intriguing, and I I was really surprised that I had never heard of this case before. Had you heard it prior to reading the the story about it? You know what I I have heard of it, um, because I'm I'm kind of interested in in. Like you were saying, like I'm interested in college football things. We're both interested in sports documentaries, that kind of thing. I've gotten into reading like um, college players or sports players that died during their career type of a thing. And, and I did come up across Brian Pata many times. But I remember when it happened, I remember it being on ESPN briefly. But it seems like the type of thing that should be like all over the ticker and, and on sports center and all this stuff, but it seemed like it was really brushed under the rug in a way. Um, you know what? I haven't heard anything about it for many years. Uh, like if you, if you go to Wikipedia and search in Brian Pata, it's pretty bare bones about the story. So the two writers of that article, I mean, they did a great job in painting a picture of a story one of the things that I always hate when I see a long article that I'm interested in is when the journalist is sitting there talking about like what the people are doing. Oh, he's sitting on the couch. He rustles his paper as he picks up his cup of coffee and takes a long hour. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. And they didn't mess with that. No. You know, there it was like fact, fact, yep. fact, 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 story, fact, fact, fact. And it was like, this is awesome. So I am... I'm happy that that exists, that they put that out there. If you even search YouTube, you're not going to find hardly anything except maybe a news clip or two of, of coverage. And I don't really know why. I mean, I think part of it is, is, is race. Uh, I hate to say it, but um, Miami, I don't know if you've ever been to the University of Miami, but it's, it's just in a horrible neighborhood horrible area like you leave that you're in bad neighborhoods you're in bad areas miami hurricanes football has history of being kind of on the edge of of legal and illegal and rough play and fighting and this and that i, I think that a combination of like race location history of the football program all play and the fact that he wasn't a first rounder i bet you anything if he was like a top 10 talent it'd be a big deal but he wasn't he's just like another guy and he hadn't made it to the pros yet he really wasn't dominant if you look at his stats he was more of like a he is a high ceiling type guy like he's not there yet but he's got a ceiling and i don't know but i think that kind of played into it not being a big deal um and of course you know you have the fact that the case is unsolved um I wanted to kind of go back to what you said is that, you know, you were saying that they don't know who did it, but I would argue they know exactly who did it. They just don't have any physical evidence right. to do anything yeah. about it. And that's why the case, that's why a case like this just sits and nothing happens because 
they're not going to waste any more money investigating anything else if they're certain that they've figured it out. They just can't they literally can't prove it in court. The person they think yeah. they did it right there at the scene of the crime. Right. And I think that happens so much more than the public realizes. And if that can't happen, it, like the DA could could look at the case and look at what they have and say, I can't stick. I can't make this right. stick. You need to bring me the gun, uh, confession, fingerprints, DNA, something, fiber. Something has to be there to link this. It, it can't be just what is now, and it's just circumstantial evidence. But why don't we explain kind of what happened? <clears throat> I'll try and do a little rundown of that unless you want to give it a shot. Um, yes. All right. Yes. So, okay. Um, so Brian Pata, 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 I, 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 think, I think it's, it's Pata. Pata. Um, like we've said, projected second, third round draft pick is the, at least what they, what they say in the article um, one day uh, is going, go, gets home from practice. It's nighttime. Um, he get he, he drove an infinity, which I thought was very interesting. It talked about how his, how he had a, a quote unquote agent, um, that was kind of, um, I don't know, would you say feeding him money? Um, obviously illegal because that's not, you can't do that as a college player, but, um, you know, was getting money from an agent. Like you said, Miami hurricane football has always been on the cusp of like, do we, do we really believe what's happening here? Or, um, are they, you know, are these guys getting paid very kind of, I don't know, you almost call it corrupt, uh, for a college football team. They, they have always been on the edge, you know, the Michael Irvin's, um, I can't remember. You've probably seen the U documentaries that were on ESPN. There was, you know, cocaine stuff flying around in the eighties and nineties probably continues today. Um, but anyway, so Brian Peta gets home, uh, and is shot through pretty much the temple of his head and they cannot figure out who did it. There's a team meeting with one player in particular that is not there. Um, and it seems very, I can't remember what his name was. What is, uh, was it Deshaun something? Um, let's see. Um, his last name is Jones. I took a bunch of notes and I don't believe I wrote his first name down. It was either Rashawn or Deshaun. Yeah. Rashawn Jones. Jones. Okay. Um, and I mean, we're in 2000, this is 2006. There's like one single shot and there's like this two minute mm-hmm. window of where he was alone and where he was with people. I think he had just dropped off some teammates at home Um he pulled into his parking spot, is shot in the parking lot, and then there's this, the police are called, they show up, they try to save him. One of his teammates is actually right there at the scene as well. Not, I, I think he said if he had shown up 30 seconds earlier, 
they probably would have caught. Yeah, I think he was a minute or yeah, two behind. Exactly. You're right. He did say and that. And so, yes. I mean, it, all of a sudden, there's like no evidence. All they have is like the bullet. I think that they recovered from his head, if I'm not mistaken. He's just laying in the parking lot, bleeding out. Um, and I'm sure he was dead the minute he was shot, just from the placement that they say that it was at. Um, yeah. But they, you know, they look you know, at girlfriend, they look at ex-girlfriend, they look at girlfriend's brother, and they all have uh, people that bought cars from him even that I think were in Missouri and Washington. He had sold some, some yeah. bum cars uh, with allegedly yeah. stolen rims. I mean, it, they looked at, they looked at all kinds of people. Also, there were, there were club fights, if I'm not mistaken, that he was quite a uh, few. That he was, and some of them involved gang right. members. And there was at one point where there was a hit put out on him, and he called um, the member of the gang who'd put out the hit. He's, I, if I remember right, the quote was like, "My people know his people," and so that hit yeah. allegedly was was not. Um, it was wiped out, taken away, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And then all of a sudden there, they, you know, that night they have this team meeting. Everybody's there except for one player. And that's Rashawn Jones, who he had fought with multiple times because Dan, he dated his ex-girlfriend. So, so Rashawn Jones was dating the current girlfriend of Brian Pata before Pata, and I think her name was Crosby. Um, was it Bodie? I, f- I forget what her name was. Um, Jada, one thing I wanted to... to Jada Brody. Well, yeah. I was just thinking of Brody. Okay, Brody. Um, one thing that I wanted to go back to that you had mentioned was that they did re- find the slug in his skull. But from what I read into the article, kind of in between the lines... They didn't determine what caliber it right. was, which would tell me that there was no no casing found yep. at the scene. They couldn't tell. Which would heavily suggest a revolver. Okay. Yeah, it could very well be a revolver because a pistol, in that amount of time to shoot and find the casing um, and pick it up and then, you know, not leave any evidence whatsoever. Yeah, yep, that, that hadn't dawned on me, but I think you're probably right. It could have been a very a revolver. Um, yeah. And you know, they, they, from my experience living in Baltimore, um, a 38 special, a cheap gun is really, really easy and really cheap to get in the hood. It's really cheap to get a 38. You can just get one that has five shells in it. That's all you get for, you know, 30, 40 bucks. You commit something like this, and you chuck it. And, you know, a couple times in the article, they mentioned how this looked like a professional hit. And I just wanted to scream at them because in Baltimore city, there's absolutely nothing professional about what they're doing as the drug dealers there. It's like the wild West in Baltimore city, but they've perfected what's called the walk by where somebody just comes walking down the street, casually walk in and then just pulls out a gun right as they get to somebody and shoots them right in the head. 
And it's like, nobody knows. It's not a drive-by. It's not this dramatic thing. And then the shooter just runs away. So all they have to do is get close enough and pull the trigger. It's really not that difficult. And it doesn't take that much intelligence or experience to do that. You can have somebody that's never shot a gun before in their life be successful at that type of murder. If somebody doesn't see it coming or if they've planned enough of where they're going to stand type of a thing. But, you know, they said that the girlfriend heard arguing before the gun shot that night. That would lead me to kind of think that Pata knew or was not afraid of the assailant. So whether the gun was out or not, Pata was still willing to be a little bit aggressive. And one thing that I found that I wanted to link to that, which was very interesting, is a couple of Pata's teammates, I think the guys that he drove home, actually. I'd have to look back at that. If it was the guys that drove home, that would mean that this occurred in the car right before his murder. But Brian... Pata was on the phone with Rashawn Jones that night arguing. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and they said it was a pretty heated argument. I'm pretty sure it was the guys that he drove home. So now that I'm thinking about that, that even, that that's even worse for Jones. That shows that right before this man was murdered, he was arguing with this guy on the phone, no more than five to 10 minutes earlier. Let's see. It's, uh... um, on the phone records, um, yeah, it says just before Pata left, which uh, they were, he was leaving the university because they were just done with practice, and so right before right. he left, he said Chris, uh, a tight end named Chris Zellner, overheard him engaged in a heated phone call. Um, he said, I wasn't really trying to eavesdrop. I just remember him talking about, like, if you want, if you want, man, come see me then. Um, yeah. But that was. So maybe it was not in the car, but maybe it was right before he yeah. got in the car. And then, so he, is, it says. Can you see, was that, was the same teammate, the one that he gave a ride home um, to? Um says, as Pata steered his SUV out of the parking lot, he saw teammate Josh Holmes and several other underclassmen waiting at a bus stop and offered them a ride to the dorms. Holmes said they laughed and talked about proc- uh, practice, tapping fists with Pata as, or tapping fists as Pata dropped them off. Um, so he dropped them off. It says it was dark as he drove five, four miles home. Um, Hendricks, uh, I don't remember his first name, um, but he was uh, headed home too, but he had to stop for gas. Um, okay. It says he talked to his brother Fednall on the phone. Seemed like he was in a good mood. They talked about a car um, that they were fixing, and he said uh, the brother said he heard wind blowing while his brother was speaking, and then suddenly the call dropped. Um, okay. I think I know what that is. I think that's him getting out of the car. Probably. You're in Miami. So you're in, you're in the car. There's no wind. You get out of the car. The wind is on you. Maybe it's a few few steps. And then he sees the shooter. And he just puts the phone yeah. down. And then... I mean, I, that's, I, I think his brother, like, literally almost wit, like was an audio witness to it. He very well could have been. It said that uh, he his assigned parking space was near a dumpster and some shrubbery. 
and um, you're right. The lady said she thought she heard an argument. She left the apartment, walked down to the parking lot, and that's where she discovered her boyfriend unresponsive. Um, right. And then she so, she went back, so called nine one one, and it was about right then that the Hendrix teammate pulled up and he tried to do CPR, mm-hmm. talk to the uh, the phone or talked on the phone to the 911 you can actually listen to that phone call um and then pata's mom showed up i think like 10 minutes later and then um but yeah so whoever did it had to have known that he was like gonna be alone for that time um and it was a very brief well, I, th- second. I would argue that like yeah, it, it was, but I mean, whoever did it knew that he was on his right. way home or knew that he would be there at that time or would try to get you him have there. to know what the his one thing is that he was, was too, I would think. Right. But I think he was by the stairs. I think he was kind of in the common area. So like he made it from his car. I don't know what the walk would have been to that area. So we have no idea how much time elapsed or, or whatnot. It's interesting to it me. It does seem like just this just came to my mind, and sorry to interrupt you. She heard yeah. an argument, but she didn't hear a gunshot. Yeah, that's it's strange, but you know, like if let's even say we don't know much about that caliber. If it was a twenty-two pistol. I mean, that's even cheaper than a 38 now that I think about it. And you can get those pretty right. easily. You can get a 22. I mean, and a 22 sounds like a pop, you know. You might not hear, hear a 22, but there's a number of reasons that you might not hear a gunshot. Who knows if she was listening to music? Like, like who knows? Argument could be louder than a gunshot because of, like, bass echoing in a building. You know what I mean? So I could see that. Um the one thing I wanted to say about like the actual murder itself was that there is no overkill. So it suggests that it's like not spur of the moment rage. Like somebody didn't just walk up to him angrily and shoot a whole bunch of shots at him. Somebody just one time and gone. Yeah. That's why I think of those Baltimore city walk bys. It's just like vicious. They just walk up to you, shoot you and run away and you're dead. And there's nothing anybody can do. Um, and then there was no robbery. He had several hundred dollars, if not thousand dollars in $100 bills in his wallet. So that tells me that the motive was personal. It was essentially like a hit. He was killed over something specific that he did or because of him. So the lack of robbery suggests to me that it's not like somebody jealous of his lifestyle. It's not like some hater that lives in the apartment complex. Otherwise, they'd steal his money, probably steal his car, right? So the one thing that everything kind of hinders on that they didn't really talk about in the article was the dynamic of the Jones, uh, Brody, Pata triangle. Like, did Jones dump Brody? Did Brody dump Jones? You know what I mean? Because like that could matter, right? Yeah, and they never could really they could they possibly that. be right? So could there possibly be infidelity? Could Jones and Brody be 
engaged in some sort of stuff and Pata knows about it and that's why they're arguing about it. That's what I started to wonder was like, man, you have absolutely no way of knowing what that dynamic could be. And that dynamic could go as far as affecting the way that she protects Jones in a way. Right. Cause like, even if she thinks like, man, I can't believe he did that, but I'm not going to like rat him out because he was my man or something like that, you know? And so it's really interesting about that, but the whole thing to me, it just like everything says this guy was killed over something personal. And the story you told about them getting into a fight at the club and a hit being put out on him, that like, that's all well and good, but Honestly, like I don't really see people that live their lives in crime. They're making a living doing it. They have to make money. They have to put up with all this other stuff. They're going to go out of their way to find this guy and commit the crime that gets you sentenced to prison or death just because he got into a fight at a bar. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they did put a hit out on him, but maybe it wasn't like what everybody thinks a hit means where it's like, okay, we gave it to this hitman. Now there's a ticking clock before you're gone, buddy. That kind of a thing. Like, I don't really know. That sounds a little bit more Hollywood than reality. I think the reality is there was some dispute between Jones and Pata. We have no idea what it was. We don't know if it was related to his girlfriend, Brody. We don't know. Could it be related to clubs? Could it be? I was even thinking, like, could Pata be involved in drug I'm dealing? Very, I think he has money. Yeah, cars that's very yeah easy. so you can make that assumption what's interesting i was just reading yeah. a part they don't know how many sure. gun shots were actually fired they know that one killed mm. him that's how many hit but there's according to like uh quote unquote eyewitnesses um that they're they heard multiple shots uh but but yeah there was only one that hit him they um that they found. So I, I had forgotten that. Um, that suggests that the shooter was standing far or further away from the victim. Yeah. That means that there's a gap. It's not like the, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the wire. It's the Baltimore HBO show, but it, it depicts the stuff that happens in that city really well. I mean, there's a scene where a kid's standing there talking to his friends. He's at the edge of the sidewalk next to a light post. And there's people everywhere. It's the city. And there's a guy just like just walking down the street, looks perfectly normal. Suddenly he just turns, puts a gun up to the kid's head, blows his head off, everybody runs off. And that's just like that's how it happens, you know. But but the fact that there was multiple shots heard and only one shot hit him, if you were standing there with a gun pressed against somebody's head, you don't need to shoot multiple no. shots. So that suggests that the person is far back. There's you know, emotion. He's missing his shot. He's probably not trained with guns, Could things be. like that. And what, what's um, interesting is, um, so I found that part. It says they estimate about two minutes elapsed between when he arrived and when he was shot. So there's like this, that's this a long two time. minute gap where nobody was was there. So somebody could have, I mean, he could have seen the guy behind the dumpster even or behind in the bushes and like confronted him and then been like the, the guy just you know was like i'm gonna I, I the reason it makes sense that it was jones is because pata had beaten the snot out of him 
before. This wasn't the yes. first time. They had gone. And so it right. to me, Jones makes sense because it's like number number one, he wasn't at the meeting that every other teammate was at. Number two, he was probably I I they kind of made it sound like he was humiliated by Pata before. Like they got into an argument and Pata just was you know going off on him yeah it's it's interesting because i got that same impression but i also got the impression that jones wasn't intimidated by him did you get that too maybe the first time he wasn't but maybe this time he showed up and he's like this time he was no i'm not gonna get beat up again if anything happens he's dead like he i'm just gonna bring this as bad it makes sense i don't know i so I think we haven't mentioned this yet, but maybe I'll mention this real quick, not to interrupt you. But uh, Brian Pato was about 6'4", 285 pounds. He was a defensive tackle. Rashawn Jones was, what, 5'11", yeah, 190 pounds. Cornerback. So smaller guy. And smaller guy, right? But the other thing about Jones was he was highly recruited out of he was high school. Six one. And he six fit... one one ninety five. Yeah. Oh, six one. Six one one ninety five. Okay. That. So uh, he was highly recruited out of high school, but he wasn't living up to it at Miami. And he was basically in his last go around there. He had failed three tests for marijuana. He'd been suspended Um, the day, uh, uh, that day actually, that he was suspended from the team for marijuana. His third drug failed, or third failed drug test, yes. So his college football career was over. His football career was over. And he probably isn't the kind of guy that's great at math or something like that. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like, here's a guy that's teetering on the edge of like, okay, nice try with football, but you're back to the streets. Like, good luck in Miami. You know, so like, is it far-fetched that somebody in that situation wouldn't commit a crime like that? And and let's, like, it's interesting you say that. What if Pata had something to do with, or, or he thought Pata had something to do with the, the test being administered or, or whatever it was. I don't know. But um, there's a picture of Jones. There's a picture of several Miami football players taking a knee before a game. And there's a large picture of Brian Pata on the field. I believe it was Jones' last game. And I found the look on his face is chilling. He's got this smirk, like, like I got you, dude type of a thing on his face, whereas the other players are, they're kind of like, they don't know how to act yet. It's a, it's a really chilling picture. I'll try to put that picture up, um, show people that. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that it makes sense that, that Rashawn Jones did this. Uh, motive might not be entirely clear, and there's no physical evidence, and the police can't move forward with it. You know, the other aspect of evidence that they do have that they haven't released is there was a sketch by a witness of somebody they saw running through the parking lot sketches aren't really great evidence but i mean let's just say rashawn jones has a close cropped hairstyle and he i don't know he's african-american so that narrows it down you know it's not an African-American with a beard or an African-American with cornrows or something like that. So if that sketch was released, maybe that would 
have people saying, oh, that looks exactly like Rashawn Jones. And the police sit there saying, we know, but there's nothing we can do. We don't have any evidence. Right. And without a confession, there's nothing we can do. From a worker who had been there that night. Um, But yeah, it's interesting that they never released that sketch to try and help out. But yeah, just a, I mean, really well done, like, I guess you could call this kind of a documentary, even though it's not a video documentary. Yeah. It's like a, it, it's a very well written piece. Great journalism uh, in a time that journalism yes. is mostly hot takes and not very much research goes into oh, it. I was very impressed. One sentence paragraphs. No, yeah, I, I was too. I think it was a very good article. So kudos to those ladies. Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope that that article might actually spark some interest in this case. I'll definitely post this on YouTube. Um, you know, this will be cut out of the podcast and put up separately so people will be able to hear it. Hopefully we get some people interested because I don't think that nobody should be forgotten if they've been if their life has been taken away from them and, and somebody that takes the life away and, and gets to go on with theirs, they don't deserve that right. either. Yeah. What so. was interesting too is is they actually interviewed him, um, and he said yeah. what happened twelve years ago happened twelve years ago, um, and yeah, then he said it's I mean it is what you yeah, expect it's got nothing to do with me I didn't do it and then he wouldn't answer any more questions about it and so you know it and like it's yeah. just. I guess it it really you made a good point. It really isn't that strange. Um, you're in Miami. There's a ton of unsolved crime. I think at the beginning of the article or the end of the article, they talk about how many uh, crimes go unsolved, um, and and it's just staggering. Like the percentage of unsolved crimes oh, is like forty to fifty percent. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's worse than people would assume, you know, you watch your Miami vice or whatever the hell CBS has tried to revive from the grave. And, and, uh, those type of shows make police work look like this stupid comic book type of a thing. And it's just, it's right. not, I mean, they go and find a body laying on the street with a bullet in the head, do your job. Well, my job is there's nothing that I can do right now. I'm going to go around and ask people. I'm going to see if there's any physical evidence. I'm going to talk to the family. I'm going to whatever. But if, if there's nothing coming of it, what right. can I do? You know, people, people don't understand that. People also, I think, don't understand that, hey, the police probably worked very hard on this right away. But what are they supposed to do? Do you think that nobody else was murdered since then? There were probably 10 people murdered that weekend, maybe. You know, like, so he, he, unfortunately he was one of of many and there's a lot of unsolved crimes there. They can't spend an exuberant amount of time on on one case. Yeah, which is, I mean, unfortunate that any crime goes unsolved, but it's, it's the reality of it. They, they do, they have other things that have to, um, that they have to do. They can't just put all of their resources into one crime um, which, you know, unfortunate and, and you're right. Yeah. It, we watch, you know, CSI Miami or CSI Las Vegas or, you know, shows like that. And it makes it, you know, it, it's like a, a puzzle that 
gets put together in 30 minutes and very good and way it's of putting not. it not it's you know it takes no. weeks it takes months sometimes it takes years and years of collecting evidence and the problem i think in this case is like there's just no evidence uh, there's no physical yeah. evidence to put any there's circumstantial evidence that would seem like you know why did jones yeah. change his phone number the day before this right. happened why did he um skip, skip the, the meeting, meeting. why yeah, all those types of things and so yeah. all it's very things. very interesting as to you know lots of circumstantial but like you said there's if you take something to court you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this man killed somebody because you don't want to take his life away if he didn't either, just based on circumstantial evidence. So anyways, if if you get a minute, you should definitely take the 20 to, I don't know, like I said, I think it took me about 20 to 30 minutes because I was just like, now who's this person and what's this person and, and trying to make the webs uh makes sense and so it it was not uh it was not a difficult read it was more of just like trying to get who is everybody what is their personality and how they fit into the puzzle so just for the listeners to know i just googled brian pata b-r-y-a-n-p-a-t-a the very first two hits are both the article it's called death at the u who killed brian pata so, yeah, I agree with Dr. Tyler. Go check it, it out. Was, the kind of so, creepy thing about it was the very beginning of how they found these weird, like a goat head and dead chickens and a dead bird in a bottle with his name on it. Like, that was weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some southern yeah, voodoo. And I, it's like, is, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's weird stuff. They actually had to move his, his uh, casket somewhere else because it was it was mm. bugging the family which that would bug me too but i i don't understand you know is it the killer is it just somebody that was a a weirdo i don't know yeah yeah so um a real easy way to transition but we can uh we can just dive right into the the lovely new york jets they're another floundering semi not alive issue um so i don't know if anybody watches football but the new york jets almost won a football game last night it almost actually happened it was wow um and and what was the difference in the game it was the chucker the chucker it was joe flacco joe flacco the chucker that's that's my nickname for him because that's what he does He's not accurate. Like he's not a precision quarterback. He's not going to pick you apart. He's not going to read the defenses and throw to the open window before the guy's there. He chucks it. He's got an arm and he chucks it. And that's how he got to that playoff run, the Super Bowl MVP. But um, you know, watching that game, it seemed like his arm gave them a little bit of a pep that they didn't have when Darnold was playing. And I thought to myself, you know. The Patriots game, that's where Darnold saw ghosts. Remember, I'm seeing ghosts last year, I think it was, right? So he's, he doesn't have a good record or or even potential for versus the Patriots. Flacco's beat them in the AFC Championship game. 
So he comes up, maybe it wasn't an AFC championship, maybe it was a divisional, but he, uh, he comes up and, and throws, they'd scored 27 points with Flacco, you know, and I was thinking, man, uh, Adam Gase, who he still has a job as of right now, Tuesday night. So I'm assuming he's not getting fired this week. They do have a bye week though. Um, but maybe Adam Gase should think about switching to Flacco. I, I, people are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? But listen, I mean, the Jets are going to be at that number one draft pick unless for some reason they put their heads up their ass and decide to win football games now for no reason. But why not get Trevor Lawrence, right? So what are you going to do with Sam Darnold? Are you going to let him play behind your horrible offensive line and get him destroyed so that he has absolutely no trade value by next season? You just have to cut him. Why not just put him on the bench, let Flacco ride it out, and then trade Darnold at the end of the, you know, at the beginning of the league year. Uh, yeah, that's, that was my take on that. I know that Flacco's not like a great football player, and I'm not even saying he's a better quarterback than Darnold, but like right now, could he run a veteran offense a little bit better? Yeah, and I'm like, I was so surprised by Flacco even showing any like moxie. I, I don't know if moxie is the right term, yeah. but even showing. Well, he is. Yeah. yeah. He has this look on us. Like he has this look. That's just like, it's almost like he looks like he doesn't get yeah. it. He you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> his, his personality and, and Gase's like taco following GIF are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. They're kind of similar. Like, like Flacco doesn't even look like he belongs on a sideline no. anymore um, and, and seems almost like disen, uh, disenchanted with the game. Gase looks like that all the yeah. time too. So maybe it's a match made in heaven and we just didn't know it. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I just, for some reason, I, I'm attracted to the dumpster fire of situation that is up there in New York. Um, I was shocked when Adam Gase was hired by the Jets <laughs> and, uh, I still don't get it. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, dude, you better have a backup plan. Football is not going to work out for you if you go to the Jets. Sorry, bro. <laughs> yes. Um, that's <laughs> just the way it is. You man. know, what's interesting. So is it's there like, are... maybe I, I had this thought last night, maybe Flacco is like, showed just enough and maybe if he continues to start he showed just enough for some team to be like all right joe flacco's a free agent at the end of the year let's give him a shot like let's get like i guarantee they will just get one more big payday and right off into the sunset i i hate to say i don't think he's gonna get a big payday but i had an idea of where he could end up could be in that silver and black wow. eventually. We already have Nathan Peterman. Oh, come on. That's all we need. Gruden has like an underground bunker full of ex-quarterbacks. <laughs> Everybody knows that it. That we do. Ranging <laughs> from Deshaun Kaiser and Kerry Collins to uh, to maybe Joe Flacco and Nathan Peterman. You never know. You never know Jeff, with Chucky. Jeff George and... Yep. So the, the Jets are 0-9. And uh, the Steelers are, are 8-0. And I know that that stings, but that's about as much gloating as I'm going to freaking do because they haven't really played very well. 
I haven't seen four consecutive quarters of effort or football out of them. Um, I really think that Devin Bush injury is huge. They did trade for Avery Williamson, which, I mean, for a fifth-round pick, why the hell not? Tomlin's apparently in love with a the guy. They met at a pro day uh, years ago and talked the whole day. They call him a football junkie. But, you know, it's interesting. The Steelers seem to really pick it up when they have to. But they don't, like, like I, I wrote a, an article and didn't post it. And then I did post it on Monday because I wrote it on Saturday after they named Garrett Gilbert the starter for the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought, you know, I, I think that this is nonsense. I'm not going to put this up. But I was saying, like, this is a, a systematic trap game because – the Steelers don't even know who the starter is going to be until the day before the game. The starter has no NFL tape on him. He played last a year ago, so you don't even know, like, what has he done anything? What can he do? Whatever. You have no idea how this guy's going to play. So being that, the Steelers would have to put together just a general defensive game plan just for probably the skill set players, I would assume. Uh, what can the receivers and running backs and tight ends do? We need to kind of contain that. It doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. But then I got that feeling or that Mike Tomlin feeling. I call it the losing to losing teams they should never lose to. And that's exactly what the Steelers always want to do. They have these great games where it's like, okay, they come back and, and beat the Titans. They come back and beat the Ravens. They're awesome. And everybody's like, they're going to blow out the Cowboys. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, they're going to lose this damn game. I'm going to be pissed off forever. Why the hell would they lose this game to this backup quarterback? But I don't know what it is, man. Do they come out and they're like sleeping? Do they think that it's going to be a cakewalk? Are they beat up from the last game? I don't know. But my prediction of them almost, I mean, I think that they could have lost this game because of, of the situation. And, and I, I was almost right. Luckily, I wasn't. Um, but good God, their, their offensive coordinator, Randy Feekner, there was a point in the game where it was either two or three, just straight draw run plays. And the last one was on a fourth and one, and they didn't get it. And it was just like, what the hell are you doing? Damn it. Put some other people in the game. Get an offensive lineman out there. Block. What the hell are you doing? And then on, on the fourth and short at the end of the game, it's like this soft pitch. Here, we'll have two blockers out in front because we've got four or five guys on the other side of the line because what is football? So we'll follow these guys, and you'll get tackled for a four-yard loss. It'll be great. And I'm sitting there thinking, like literally, that's the kind of bullshit that cost Todd Haley's job. But Todd Haley conducted like the most prolific offense the Steelers have ever seen statistically. And Feekner still is like, I, I don't know which receivers to put out on the field. Like, I wonder who, what James Washington can do. I wonder what Juju Smith-Schuster can do. It's like, get this guy the hell out of there. And, and tell Ben Roethlisberger to like drink extra coffee, have a monster energy drink. Dude, get up a little bit for the game. You can't just show up midway through the third quarter every week. You just can't do Does that. Does Washington so, play anymore? The no, football like, team? Well, I know they stink, but... Oh, oh the receiver, yeah. Like, the... <laughs> yeah, he had a receiving touchdown, but his targets are like yeah. nothing. 
So he's being phased got, out. Like, is it Darian Johnson, Damian Johnson, Deontay, Deontay. Johnson? Deontay, and then we've got Chase Claypool, and Claypool he's a monster. Going to be he's, a good receiver. He fits that Pittsburgh Steeler mold yeah. so well, just like like Martavis yeah. Bryant. But I think he's thicker than Martavis Bryant. Like he's he is man. He's he's pretty thick, but he's he's just as fast as Martavis Bryant was. So yeah, he's fast twitch. He he's agile. It's pretty wild. And you know, I think Juju Smith Schuster is the type of Steelers receiver too. He's like a Heinz Ward prototype. Um, they should really try to keep him. And uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, has upside. He just like there's so many plays this year specifically where it's like the ball is right behind him, or it's just off his fingertips, or oh he fell, or, or you know just some BS kind of stuff. I don't know. He's trying too hard, or he just needs to slow down, let it come to him. I'm not sure, but. I think their their offensive problem is they really don't have an identity. They don't know who the hell they are, and they don't have an I- identity with a running game. That's why they it would have behooved them to go out and sign Fournette when he was a free agent, because they just needed somebody else back there. Connor's good. He's serviceable. He can get it done as part of a system, but I don't think he's like a bell cow. Uh, so... I'm not sure what the hell is going on with the Steelers. It's driving me nuts. My blood pressure, my heart, they don't enjoy these games. <laughs> but you're 8-0 for the first time yeah. in team history. So you got to be a little bit excited. I, I, I know. I, I mean, I'm a little bit excited because I understand where that puts their playoff seed. You know, like they only need a few more wins to be talking for a second seed. And... um that's great, but like, do I have any confidence that they could turn around and do what they did again? Like, beat a team like the Titans and then beat a team like the Ravens and then say beat another team to win a Super Bowl? I don't feel that yet. And to be honest, that's all I really care about is like, I want, I want an AFC championship at the least. And I really want a Super Bowl win. I don't even want to just go to the Super Bowl. So, 8 0 is fantastic, but to me, it means nothing. The regular season, whatever. Getting that top playoff seed would really mean a lot for the Steelers. I think it would uh, – I think it helps Ben to play in Pittsburgh. So that would be huge for them. But I, I'm – like, I'm concerned. I don't like it. I mean, the Ravens ran all over them. And, I mean, this past weekend, is they made Ezekiel Elliott look like a football player. And I don't know if – you didn't watch the game – this is they, they cut to Ezekiel Elliott multiple times throughout the game, not just like a few times in one drive, and he's sitting there like this the whole time. I can't see your face. <laughs> you can't uh, see it? Because it says it's a poor connection. Oh, oh okay. I mean, he's just sitting there like his, his mouth hanging open. His lower lips Typical hanging down. Ezekiel Elliott. His jaw just relaxed, and he just looks like if you like if you put a bubble next to his head to caption what he was thinking, it would be Duh! Yeah. like you know with like eleven H's. I mean that looks that's that's what he looked It'd like. Be a picture of of Homer Simpson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Oh man. So, so I'm not that happy about it. I mean, I, I am, but I'm not like, I, I recognize what it is, but I recognize, uh, you know, the fact that it might not be, I don't know how to explain it. In years past, if a team's 8-0, you don't want to play that team. But the Steelers, like, if you play them, no matter who you are, like, well, they're going to play the Bengals this week. And I expect it to be, uh, let's say, like a 27-14 type of a thing. But I don't expect it to be a 13-point gap until pretty late. I think the Bengals are going to hang around. And it sucks. The damn Bengals. And they're going to make Joe Burrow look like Joe Montana. And, you know, I mean, he's going to throw like 370 yards and all this other crap, but he'll have a couple fumbles or interceptions or something. But it's it's like if the things don't fall perfectly for them, which it doesn't work that way in the playoffs, you know, you don't get that kind of crap luck in the playoffs usually. Uh, so I don't know. I just It worries me that they can't put teams away. Um and it worries me for Thanksgiving night when they face the Ravens again. I'm, I'm kind of concerned if they're going to be able to adapt from that first game. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I stand on my boys. Well, I think I'm probably a little bit higher on them than you are. I Like, if somebody would have told me the Raiders would be 5-3 and three at this point after a fairly brutal schedule, I would have said that you're smoking pot. Um or probably more like cocaine because you're just <laughs> cocaine yeah, I don't know. could have been you're smoking <laughs> something but the Raiders are doing you're pretty doing well all right but it's the same thing it's like that uh, you can't like they had multiple times against the Chargers Sunday to just put it away to ice it to you know to just like uh, stump uh, to just end the game, I guess, to be politically correct. I, it, it, they didn't, and that drives me insane because it shouldn't have come down to two goal line fade routes that were broken up by our second-year uh, defensive back. It it really shouldn't have come down to that, um, and yet it did for, like, the second week in a row. It just – there was another – you know, well, actually, let's see. Who did they play before the Chargers? They play the Browns? Was it the Brent? No, I can't remember. Anyways, but every every time that the Raiders are Broncos winning, last week. I'm like, I've got this pit in my stomach. Like this game isn't over, and there could be like two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they're up by three touchdowns, and there's just this sinking feeling in my gut that. They're you know not gonna. They're not gonna win this game by very much if they win it at all. Um, and so it's it's interesting that you say that because I know that feeling. And I used to get that every single time I would watch like the Patriots, like the year that they were going undefeated. Anytime a team got a lead on them, you'd be sitting there like, "Damn it, damn it!" Like I know that they're gonna still lose. Like this is just annoying. Like what you know. So it's that feeling, but as you were talking about that, it made me think like, so are comebacks becoming the standard now? It's like no team, no lead is safe. I mean, you have like Patriots being the Falcons in the Super Bowl as a comeback. You got the Chiefs coming back against the 49ers in the last Super Bowl. You got 
many comebacks this year. I mean, look at the Falcons and Chargers, how many games they've blown. And the Chargers, I mean, the Falcons almost blew a game to the Broncos. So I don't know what that says. It used to be in the NFL, like you get like a 14-point yeah. lead and you're like, it's lime time, you know, like you're having a great, great afternoon. Nowadays, I see like a 28-point lead and it's like, I'm not impressed. You know, like they're just going to come back. It's only 28 well, the Broncos points. Broncos came back on the Chargers, not this week, but the last week. Yeah. And ended up winning. Th- yeah, and they almost came back on the Falcons yeah. last and, week. And this week they came back against the Falcons. It's like. And they're not that talented at the receiver position. Locke is pretty good. Judy, and that's about it. Judy's pretty good. Yeah. They got, that's it. Sutton's hurt. And Tim Patrick. So I, I don't know, like but I mean. To inspire confidence. Noah Fant, I don't yeah. think, has lived up to his He's draft right. uh, spot. He was better last year. Yeah. he. I mean, I think he's good, but it's not like – I think they took him in the first round. So, that to mm-hmm. me, you want more production out of that person. I wouldn't take a tight end in the first round anyways. That's just me personally. But, uh, yeah, it's It would it's have to weird. be pretty – how the match, how you get these different matchups. And we talked about that. I was like, why in the heck are the Steelers should have no business being in the position that they were in against Dallas. Uh, The Titans Mm -hmm. got throttled by the Bengals. It's just like every week. There's just a few games that are like the Buccaneers saints this week. It doesn't make any sense at all. Who was the one that we were talking about? I think the bills, um, Oh, yeah, the Bills versus yeah. the Seahawks. But I was explaining that because the, the Bills head coach is McDermott, right? McDermott, he was the defensive coordinator with Seattle, I believe. Or at least he was a defensive coach who, there. Who? Sean McDermott, the Bills head oh, coach. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't know where he came from. Where did he come from? Because <laughs> I was thinking that it was the Seahawks, so... <clears throat> Let's take a look here. Oh, it's the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, but it's it's really interesting because the Bills came out with this game plan where it was like, okay, the um, the Seahawks want to throw the ball. It's an aerial circus in Seattle, so nobody's expecting us to do that. So let's do that. And they blow the Seahawks out of the water. I mean, the Seahawks actually came back in that game. The Bills had to score late to keep their lead. What was the final score? Like 48 to 38 or something uh, like that? Ballpark? Let's see. Forty-four yeah. to thirty-four. So it was. 27 to 20 at the end of the third quarter. And then there were Bill scored 17. The Seahawks scored 14 in the fourth quarter. But it's interesting because I was thinking about the matchups there. I I was under, I, I was mistakenly under the impression that McDermott had coached in Seattle, but I was thinking what I was thinking was that McDermott was the coach in Carolina. Excuse me. When he had, um, I'm blanking on the cornerback's name. Was ah, it Norman? It went to Washington. 
Yeah, yeah, Norman. So he he's comfortable with his players. He has this zone scheme that he's set up. I don't know. I haven't watched the replay of that game. I should, but I'm curious to see how they covered Metcalf. And um, I think Metcalf had a pretty good guys game, here. even though they lost. I, I think, think he, did he still had a killer game. Yeah. But it is interesting. It seems like these comebacks are, are happening more and more often. It seems like the uh, uh, divisional games are, man, they're up in the air. The Bucks blew the hell out of the – or, I mean, the, the Saints blew the hell out of the Bucks. That, that was just a crazy game. You look at the stats for that game, and it's just wild. And I, I hope that it has something to do with Antonio Brown showing I wish up. He I would have, just turns into a huge I wish shit he show. would have just, like – had a heart attack from all the cocaine that he snorted. He looks a little overweight. I thought, I thought he looked it wouldn't surprise me. There's Um, only so much you can do away from a football team for what? Two years now. Really? Year and a half. Yeah. Essentially. The last time he truly played consistently was in the 2018 season. So, um, but yeah, let's touch on our last subject here quickly. We'll talk about Tua and Kyler. They had a pretty good showdown going there. And I know you and I had a quarterback draft a few weeks ago. We were talking about what quarterbacks we would take in the NFL. We both kind of decided to pick Josh Allen of the Bills that we just spoke about. And we were kind of concerned about these running quarterbacks, this new hybrid style of, of throw and run to get your yardage. Um, Kyler Murray's a small guy. I don't know what they have him listed as. He looks like he's five seven, five eight when he's playing football, but he's thick. He's two hundred pounder. Um, two is a little bit smaller. I think he's a little bit more slender. He might be a little bit taller, but they they look very similar. Two is left-handed. Kyler's right. They're both wearing number one. They're back-to-back number one or uh, first-round draft pick quarterbacks. Um. I have to say that I've been impressed with Kyler so they Murray. Live, they list he, Tua as six foot two seventeen. Okay. And um, let's see here. So I've been impressed with Kyler's arm, his ability to play in the pocket, and then kind of use the run when the play breaks down. But he's not. Like there are plays where if you watch Lamar Jackson, it's like one, two. Okay, I'm running. You know, and it's just like you, you, dude. You don't even know what your receivers are doing in that time. Like you, you gotta, you gotta hold it together. Then there are times where Jackson holds it for ten seconds in the pocket. So I don't know, but I, I like Kyler's style a little bit more. He's smaller. It makes me worry about the injury potential if he gets hit. But he's got this speed to him. He's really quick step. He's a chop step runner. Chop, 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 chop. But he's going pretty quick. He knows to get out of bounds. He's got a nice deep ball. Looks a little strange the way he delivers it, but it gets there. So I was impressed with him. Uh, I was also impressed with two, 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 his team won. Um, but the way that I watched Tua, when he runs the ball, it causes me a little bit of concern. I, I think that he's a little bit more reckless, a little less aware. That's what it looked like to me. He has an injury history. That hip injury, I'm kind of surprised he was able to come back from that. I thought that that might be a career ender because uh, it was for Bo Jackson. But, of course, he severed right. an artery. Yeah, and that's the big difference um, is that he ended up having to – he had yeah. bone death, necrosis. Necrosis, yeah. Um, 
and <laughs> the uh, they didn't really have i don't you know they they didn't have technology back then that they do sure. now which is unfortunate because they probably would have seen um that tear in the artery and tons of blood in the area but um, yeah they just replaced yep. his head well they they yeah they uh he dislocated it he had they a couple surgeries it, and then they... and then like he that bone just necrotized it died and then the, he ended up yeah. having to have a, a hip replacement which he still played baseball on by the way um yep and yes, he for did. a little while but definitely you cannot play no. football on that and that, that, that would be that'd be the most disgusting thing to see a hip dislocation <laughs> with a yeah that would not be fun yeah but, but i i don't know but what do you think about them i haven't Tua seen and a very good sample size of either one i really like tua at alabama and i haven't really seen him since his injury i like uh murray had a hundred i think he had 110 yards rushing on sunday which is like mm-hmm. crazy to me because he also had I think he had over 200 yards on Sunday uh, yeah. passing. That's that's what I notice about him is he he is what I criticize Lamar Jackson for not being. He is a pocket passer that also just happens to be a fast twitch, fast runner that you let him get out of the pocket. Good luck. Do you know what you know what Kyler does that I like? He gets out of the pocket and he starts to veer toward the sideline. That's his like safety. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I'm going to get my yardage and get out of bounds. You're not going to tackle me. Whereas Lamar Jackson, I think he thinks he's Superman. And he's just like, I'm going to juke everybody. I'm going to do everything. He can't do that in the NFL. Like he's, he's done. Not like that. That his entire life up until now, you were playing with elite people at every position, even backups, dude. Like, backups are people yeah. that are just insanely quick. You're not – he may be able oh, yeah. to juke a few people, but he's not going to make the entire team look like a bunch of fifth-grade players like he did in right. college. And I think – And he doesn't understand you got people analyzing exactly. what, how you play. The coaches are on that level too. They're not just sitting around like, okay, our turn. You know, it's it's not like that. They are dissecting what you do well and what you don't do well, and they're putting together a way to screw you up next time they see you. Sorry to interrupt right. you. No, you're fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't really like Kyler Murray coming out of Oklahoma – and I, it was because of his size. They list him as two ten or at, at 207. So he's, he's not and I don't think so either. I think he might be five nine with his cleats on. Like he is a small. Yeah. He looks like he looks like an illegitimate child of the offensive lineman. Is what he looks like. He is. He. You know what? I, I hate to say it. He looks like when you're like messing around on Madden with your friends <laughs> and you have a, a running back that's seven feet tall, 400 pounds and your quarterback's five, five, one fifty. Right. You know, it, it kind of looks like that. And it almost like in the game looks like the real life, like when he threw a bomb in that game, 
it looked like a Madden throw because it's like, okay, here goes the arm back real quick. Suddenly it's out of there and it's flying through the air. And you're like, that little dude just did that. That's crazy. Is like, you wow. He was drafted by the athletics, right? For baseball. First yeah. round draft pick. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it's a lot of money lot there. Of money, but I think he ended up making more in football than he did in baseball. Um, but probably just, now. you know, maybe his size isn't, maybe size of height is not everything anymore. I, I almost feel like, uh, Arizona has kind of schemed around that. And I, like I said, I, I haven't yeah. really seen Arizona play very much. I used to have to watch them every Sunday because I lived in Arizona. Now, I could watch other people like the Broncos every Sunday. Um, <laughs> I know it's, it's terrible. It's, it's me too. So, um, I, I'm like, can we watch, watch the, the Cardinals instead? Like I'd take watching the Cardinals. I can stand watching the Cardinals yeah. um, much better than I can tolerate watching uh, the freaking chiefs or the Broncos every week. But um, yeah. So uh, as a student, I'm not a student of the game. I like football, but I I don't know all the nuances of the game. But I I probably ought to spend a little bit of time watching Murray because this year they've actually done pretty well. The, um, yeah. I think they play the Seahawks this week. They already beat the Seahawks once, um, and so that's it will be fireworks yeah. in that game. So I probably need to spend some time watching them before I would say, you know, I would choose Murray over Viola or vice versa. Um, but out of sure. college, I would have taken Tua. That I liked him more out of college yeah. than I liked Murray because of of size, of height. Um, even though Tua's, you know, relatively small. I mean, Josh Allen's what six five or six four or something like that. Yeah, we were looking at that. He's he's between six four and six six and he's right. about two forty. He's a he's and a big Roethlisberger's dude. what? And that's that's what well, he came out of college at six five, two forty one. I'm thinking he's probably right two seventy. <laughs> yeah. I think he's been close to three hundred pounds in his career um, for sure. But um he's not two forty one. Yeah. No. But yeah, that's the size that I like. I like that that big size because I want you to be able to see over the line. I want the pass to come out at good velocity from your hand. If it comes seven inches higher off the turf, I think that it can go further. I think you can throw it into tighter windows. I think you can absorb hits. I just I just like that prototypical size. Um, you know, and, and I think you're right that the size People are going to be more accepting of shorter quarterbacks because of guys like Kyler. Did you um, know Justin Herbert is six six? Yeah, he's a big he's boy. He's like six six two. I think he they listed him at two forty, but he looks like a dang beanpole. Like, yeah, I mean he'll he'll put on some decent weight in the next few years. Like he'll he'll just gain a little bit of weight so that he can absorb the hits. He'll he'll he's a perfect yeah, size man. I mean he's, he's a good. He, he is will be good. good. Yeah, he's on a crap team and he is yep. lighting it up. And he is—he's a quiet guy, so he's not going to be out raping hookers all night long with cocaine or anything we like hope that. Not, but L- um, L.A. can change. You hope not. Man. 
but <laughs> I guess so. So one last thought on Kyler that was kind of interesting. I saw his post-game press conference after losing the game to Miami. He was asked two or three questions. This was like the clip that I saw. He didn't answer. He kind of sat there like, we got to do better. And it was like, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I don't know if that's, do you have, is there a red flag personality problems there? Was he just really upset? Cause he, and he's a competitor. Um, Cause one thing I hate is when football players start to get angry with the media. I mean, yeah, sometimes they screw things up, but they have every right to ask you questions. And if they're like that one play in the fourth quarter when they did this and you're like, Oh, you're talking when they run like the ghost shadow blitz nine, seven Y. And then they're like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have your playbook. You know what? I, I hate that kind of condescending crap. They see the stuff at home. They can tell you, you didn't play well or that your kicker missed the field goal. Why can't they ask you what you were thinking at the end of that game? And you can't come up with something better to say. I don't know. So that, that rubbed me wrong. Hopefully that's just the one, one, one incident, but I, I think that he could have some promise there. Yeah, I think they both have, but, uh, have good careers ahead of them. If they can, number one with Murray, if he can stay healthy um, and mm-hmm. uh, with Tua, you know, your hip, his hip is, is kind of worrisome, but it seems like he's, he's pretty rehabbed um, and doing it. Yep. Hopefully he had, they both have good careers. Cause that could be some fun, you know, um, battles to watch in the future. I know the Cardinals and the, and the, uh, Dolphins don't play a ton, but it'd be nice to have yeah. both teams relevant again. Um, there's just like the. It'd be good for the league to set up a way for these games to be played. Yeah. You know, um, where they're like going up against like, each other, good quarterback versus good quarterback yeah. and draft class versus draft class. Yeah. I agree. That would be, that would be fun to see those happen a little bit more often, but, uh, I get to see uh, Mahomes yeah. and Herbert for like the next 10 years. So that should be fun. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Twice a year. I'm not really worried about Drew. Locke. I hope I don't have to see Lamar Jackson for the next I, 10 I think, years. I but... think Drew Locke is just not, I think he's decent. I don't think he's great. Yeah. And I don't really know that he ever will be great. Um, so He's a wild card, I think. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know. It is, it is difficult. He's got some good games and he's got some bad games. But, no, I think Murray and uh, Tua have some very good football ahead of them. And it should be fun to – and Herbert, for that matter. Should be a f- uh, fun to watch them kind of grow and mature. Yeah. But anything else for this evening? That does it. We've we've solved yes. the murder. We've uh, figured out what's wrong with the yep. NFL. Figured out who's good, who's bad, who's a trucker. And uh, we've also so, figured out how to cure hip injuries. So I think our yeah. job for this evening is done. Thank you so much for tuning yeah. in to a bit of anything podcast. Dan, where can they find you on the intranets? We got noholdsbardsports.com, and we have a YouTube channel 
no holds barred sports. We're going to be posting these videos a little bit more recent or, or more frequently. Actually, it's NHB Sports at YouTube. Um, we've been having some issues with the podcast getting uh, flagged and removed immediately after being posted. We've had absolutely no explanation yes, as to why. It's conspiracy. Um, yeah, they just don't want us out there rallying you people into a mob and <laughs> taking over the damn world. So. Yeah, so hopefully we get that those wrinkles ironed out. Um, but anyway, look yes. up Dan on his website, um, and you can find our YouTube channel, um, A Bit of Anything. Is it A Bit of Anything? It's A Bit of Anything. The Bit yep. of Anything podcast, yeah. So I'm thinking about adding another channel for that as well. Um, once I can get these videos up and not have them removed – it will kind of segue into me being able to get this out so that more people can hear it so that people can actually hear it. I don't know if anybody listens, but um, that's what we're trying to do. So we're yep. fighting a good fight. We're trying to take Absolutely. over the world. Come yep. join us. Just it's like a mob. mice. It's crazy. Taking over the world. <laughs> yep. Yes. In the brain. in the brain. Yeah. So, what are we going to do always tonight? Always just trying to take over the world, Pinky. But uh, anyways, from Dr. Tyler um, and Dr. Dan, have a good evening. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.